So, so, so this author of Hebrews is talking about why we gather. And I hope that we see three things today that he's teaching us. And one is this. He says, uh, uh, in here, he says that we are supposed to gather together. We're supposed to draw near to each other. Draw near to each other as a community. And then together, draw near to God as the day draws near. You see what he's doing there? Draw near together and draw near to God as the day draws near. Now, the day draws near is a reference for Jewish people who are hearing that to the day when Jesus is coming back. And as the day draws near, Jewish people would have known this, as the day draws near is a reference to this. Life is hard. And it's going to continue to be hard until Jesus comes back. So as the day draws nearer, it's in the tension of hard life. What he's telling you is draw near to each other, unite together, and together draw near to God. And that's how you're going to make it. And that's the first thing that I want you guys to see in here that this author is sharing. And then the second one, we gather together. When we gather together, it is to gain God's wisdom and courage. We need to gain God's wisdom because we need to know what God wants us to do, and then we need to gain courage because we need the courage to do it. Amen? So we draw near to each other to draw near to God, and we're trying to gain God's wisdom and courage. And then number three, he says this, he says to enter the holy places. He invites us to enter the holy places. Historically, through the Old Testament, when you would enter God's presence, oftentimes it was through corporate singing. I mean, the Old Testament, they would come to the temple, they would sing. Jesus, on the night before he was betrayed, he's having a Passover Seder dinner, and it says at the end they sung hymns. Why? Because that's what they did. They entered God's presence through singing. So we're going to look at these things, and the first one in your notes, we'll look at it one at a time, is this. Why do we gather? We gather to love one another practically. We, we gather to love one another practically. Now, in the first century, when you look at, at, at the church as it's first growing, it tells us in Acts chapter 20 and in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 that the church began to meet together on what they called the first day. That's Jewish for Sunday. So right from the beginning, they started to have these gatherings where they would gather together on the first day for, for, for church, for these, these worship services. And so they would gather on Sunday, and this is what the author is speaking about when he says, don't neglect to come together. He's talking about these meetings. He's talking about church. He's talking about why we do this, why we're here right now. Now, people gather for all different types of reasons, don't they? I mean, people gather in bars on the weekends, right, for, for all kinds of reasons. People gather for rallies, right? There's rallies and protests. People will gather. People pay a lot of money to gather together to watch a, a sports game or entertainment. People gather for all different types of reasons, and people gather in church for all different kinds of reasons. I remember my grandma told me when I was growing up, she said, the best place to meet your spouse is at church or the grocery store. And I met Blanca at church, so I guess she was right. So if you're here to meet your spouse, I can't really knock that, but I hope that's not the only reason you're here. And what the author is saying, there's more to it than that. And the first one he wants us to know is the reason why it's so important for us to do this 
is because God wants us to come here and to love one another practically. So he says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the first thing in your notes, number one, is to love one another practically, and then letter A is this, that includes being committed to one another. In these six verses, here's something I noticed as I was studying. It uses brothers one time, and it's referring, he's referring to the brothers and the sisters, the community. He's referring to the brothers, the people. He says brothers one time. He uses we two times. He uses us four times. He uses our three times. And then he uses one another. There's two one another's in there. And then he uses a me together. That's 13. It's not about use. That's 13. It's not about me. That's 13. It's about us. It's a together thing that we're supposed to be committed to one another. What he's saying is this. Hashtag showing up matters. Being here matters. You matter. Your being here matters. We have four ministry values in this church. It's the, they're these. Everyone matters. Everyone needs Jesus. Everyone has a part to play. And everyone's in process. And what we find in the Bible is that God uses us in the process in each other's process. We need to be in the middle of each other's process. And it's so important that we're here, that we're present, because being here is part of God's process. Matter of fact, he uses this interesting uh, language here. He says that I want you to enter a way that was open. He says, by the new and living way that he opened for us. It can be translated like this in verse 20. It can be translated, Jesus opened for us the way that leads to life. Now it's not talking about physical life. We have physical life just because we breathe and our heart's beating. But it's talking about something different. It's talking about spiritual life. Or what we like to call spiritual health. In other words, Jesus opened a way. He wants us to draw near to each other, to unite together. And together He wants us to draw near to God as the day draws near. Because it's going to get hard, and you're going to need each other, and you're going to need God. So He's saying He's opened up this way, and it's the new way that leads to spiritual health. In other words, it is spiritually healthy for you to be committed to a local church that loves Jesus and draws near to Him on a regular basis. It is soul care. That's why it's part of this series. It is literally good for your soul to be here. That's what the Scriptures are saying to us. Now, culturally, we've developed some unhealthy habits. Would you guys agree? We can, we can list a, a bunch of them. Probably the most... A prolific one that is talked about the most in, in the spheres that I read is an unhealthy relationship with our phones or our devices. You have an unhealthy, I personally have an unhealthy relationship with my devices sometimes. Now, 
Trevor Wax is a, an author that I'm reading right now. He wrote a book called The Time Is Now. If you're a millennial, you should read this book. It is an awesome book uh, that I'm not a millennial and I'm enjoying. But he gives some deep, old-school uh, wisdom from a young millennial mind. And, and he says this, he notices this. He says, I've noticed it's not just what I look at on my phone that's the problem. It's that I'm always looking at my phone. It's an unhealthy relationship with his devices. Another expert says it like this. He says, the problem is that we're replacing deep and meaningful connection with a shallow alternative. False community. We have an unhealthy relationship with our phone. And then Christian researchers are also noticing something unhealthy within our church. In the way and our attitude of devaluing our gatherings during the week. Sad, uh, uh, surveys are showing that the number of people, the number of believers who actually come to church on the weekend, the, the gathering, four to five times uh, per month, every week, has plummeted to a drastic number. The new committed is two to three times per week. The author, looking at these numbers, says this, isn't that crazy that now half of the time equals all in? All in is now half in. What used to be half in is now all in. And of course there's a number of measurable reasons for this. The number one reason that's reported is that we live in a time that we refer to as time shifting. You've never heard of time shifting. The, 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 the networks, television networks, have come up with this term because there was it used to be that everyone would be home at a certain time. On Thursday night, you would all get there. At 7 o'clock, you would watch Friends, right? Or Seinfeld, or whatever the big sitcom was. And everybody would kind of do it. And then you would go to to work, you get around the water cooler, you talk about, you know, Rachel and, and who's Rachel's uh, uh, boyfriend and friends? I do that. One of you guys being gay, right? Rachel and Ross, of course, right? We all were there Thursday nights, right? And then this time called time shifting came where all the numbers started dropping because everybody couldn't be there on Thursday night at 7 p.m. to watch what Ross and Rachel are going to do next. And so we started to, to, to create things like a DVR, and now Netflix. And now time shifting is that you can watch your shows whenever it's convenient for you. Because our schedules have changed. No one's on the same rhythm. It's, a, it's an unhealthy cultural rhythm called time shifting, where we're all on different patterns and rhythms. And it makes community very difficult. The second thing is this. We have conflicting commitments. For one, Sunday mornings are no longer sacred. Have you noticed that? I mean, if you have kids that are in sports, you have to pick between the commitment that you made with your kids and the commitment that you made with your church family all the time. I get that, right? Many, many employers are asking, they used to say come in on Saturday, now it's coming in on Sunday. You have to pick between being a good employee and being a good member of a church sometime. So there's these conflicting pressures that get in the way. And then there's this third, there's an attitude that's been noted. And the, the author wrote it like this, he said, church is whatever makes me happy. 
me, church, an attitude that church is whatever makes me happy. So the weekends are for me and, and my time. I work hard during the week, and then the weekends are me time, right? And I, I, I experienced this. Like, I like to go to the CrossFit gym. I remember I invited some of the people from our CrossFit gym. Can you come? And then, we have a, a class on Sunday during that time. And then one of them said, this is my church. CrossFit is my church. Some of my friends who go to different churches, and even our church, they, they, they'll, they'll have a hard week and they need to get away, so they go on a bike ride. Bike, that was my church. That was where I felt connected to God out in nature. It's just, just, just this devaluing of this gathering, saying church is whatever I feel like I need this week. That's my church. Now, I don't think that the writer of Hebrews is trying to hammer us. And I certainly am not. I'm a part of this same pressure. But what we are hearing, and I hope that we can hear, is this wise author from way back in the first century screaming to us, Jesus is better. His way is better. Don't neglect to meet together as some have already began to do. He knew it was important. He's crying out to us, don't fall into that trap. Meet together. Because being committed to one another requires that we show up and engage for one another, not just for ourselves. And then in letter B, he says, when you come together, I want you to stir up one another to love and good deeds. I want to challenge you with this and me with this. For this whole month and through February, six weeks, what if our week, we took our weekend. Now, I understand your weekend might not be Saturday and Sunday in a time-shifting world. But the time that is available to you, you the you time, I challenge you with this. Try to take that time, and rather than take it for your own leisure, try to step out and love people and do good deeds. I bet you a thousand dollars. A thousand dollars I talked about last week, pulling out, you gotta give a hundred of it away, but you still get nine hundred yourself. I bet you that thousand dollars that at the end of the six weeks, you're gonna report if you do it that you are more filled. That you are more blessed. That you are more energized by loving others and doing good. You're going to be more stirred. So he goes, stir each other up to love and to good deeds. Why? Because it's soul care. And we're supposed to do that together. That's why we have Bring Me Hope. That's why we have Laundry of Love. If, If you guys don't fill the house, like that's your first opportunity, Go. At 12 o'clock and hear about laundry love. Let that be your first step for some of you guys. Community group. If you don't go to community group, go to community group. If you already go to community group, don't stop there. Bring cupcakes. <laughs> Bring somebody. Go to the men's breakfast. Show up at 6.45. Don't show up. When it starts, show up early and set up. Engage. Because it stirs you and it stirs others. And that's what he's saying because... Don't just come, engage, stir, get stirred, and stir each other to love and good deeds. And then he says this, and encourage one another. And he gives this caveat, 
Encourage one another as the day draws near. And we've already alluded to that. That means life is hard. Life will continue to be hard. So he's saying, draw near to each other. And together, draw near to God. Because that's how you're going to make it and not fall away. That's how you make it to the end. You draw near to each other. You draw near to God. And in that, you encourage each other. Now this word encourage literally literally means like this. If you had a bowl, and I had a, a big old flask, and it was filled with courage, and I poured courage into your bowl, I would be encouraging you. It's pouring courage into you. We need to pour courage into each other. If you don't show up, no one's pouring courage into you. And if, if you don't show up, you don't have the opportunity to pour courage into others. It's very important that we show up for each other. The Golden State Warriors, I know I have at least one amen, amen. Amen, amen. <laughs> the Golden State Warriors have a motto. You want to know their motto on the t-shirt? Strength in numbers. Strength in numbers. That should be our motto. That should be our motto. Strength in numbers. Because life is hard. So strength in numbers is so important. So we encourage one another. We're committed to one another. We stir one another up to love and good deeds. And then number two in your notes is this. That's the one reason we come. The other reason we come is this. To dig into God's word hungrily together. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Holding fast to the confession you have is having a biblical worldview. We come together to, to unite together and have a biblical worldview. In other words, we want to see things the way God sees them. Amen? I mean, for me, I want to see things the way Jesus sees them. And I want to respond to everything in my life the way Jesus would respond to them. I want to become more and more like them by knowing what He wants and then responding the way that He would want me to. And so it's having this confession that we have, this, 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 this whole fast of this biblical worldview, this idea that Jesus knows and we don't. And we need to draw near to Him and hear wisdom from Him. We need wisdom to know what to do. And we need courage that we can do it. And we encourage each other in that. And all this works together. That's why we have it. So let us hold fast to this confession. So letter A is that we should come hungry to hear from God. Last weekend, our youth ministry, we had what's called a staycation. We had our kind of camp. And one of the kids that was there, one of the students, asked a very, very cool question. We're, we're meeting there, and he asked this question. He says, he, he's listening to what's going on. He's watching. He's kind of new to the, all of this. And he goes, how do you know when God's speaking to you? I thought, man, that is such a good question. I'm glad we're here right now. The best answer that I can give you. How do you know? I mean, I have some wisdom that we've talked about of how to discern God's voice. There is some process that you can have, but just in baseline, how do you know when God's speaking to you? I would say this. God knows how to speak to you. The real issue is, are you hungry to listen and eager to obey? 
I think oftentimes God is waiting for somebody to be hungry to listen and eager to obey. Because I promise you, God's not asking anybody in heaven for advice. Like, here I have this person, they're pretty hard, they're hard-headed, they don't listen very well, I don't know how to speak to them. You think God ever has that conversation? I'm going to read a book about how to, how, how to be a better communicator. No, God never needs to read a book about how to be a better communicator. He's got it mastered. He's the master. It's our ears that need to be attuned. So we come to be hungry to hear God's voice because we need God's wisdom and courage to obey. So we come hungry to hear from God. And then let, her, let it be in your notes. This, and we, we need to listen with a desire to obey. Those are connected. We become hungry to hear and eager, desiring to listen and obey. And then what I see is that we need one another in this process. It's why God has created things the way that God's created things when it comes to the way church functions. He gives some people the gifting to be able to teach the Bible. Right? We have some good Bible teachers here. God's gifted some people and we have a time during our service where we teach the Bible like we're doing right now because that's the way God has designed it. When we come, we want to hear from the Word. We also, we, 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 we want to have accountability. If you're not a Christian, I know that's Christianese. Here's what it's Christianese for. Accountability means having godly friends who will give you godly advice. And then we need to have discipleship. If you're not a Christian, that's okay. That's Christianese for this. It's a godly mentor who, who's been a little bit further ahead than you and they can, can reach back and give you advice about how to live for God. Discipleship. This is all requires that we're in relationship with each other, that we show up. And here's the thing. It is good soul care to belong to a local church who believes that the Bible is true and who preaches it the way that it's supposed to be taught and is eager to follow it because it believes that there's an authority in the Scriptures that helps us for life and godliness. It's healthy. It's spiritually healthy to be a part of a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. Because we need one another in the process. And then lastly, we gather together to sing worship together passionately. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. As I alluded to, in the Old Testament, when they would enter into the holy places, when they would go to the temple, guess what they would do? They would sing. When they would sing together, when they would have feasts, they would get together. They would sing the songs, 150 of them. Guess what they are? They're songs. They're songs all throughout the Bible. When they went out to battle, they would sing. Singing together was this way of uniting and entering into God's presence together with corporate singing. It's the way God has designed it. There's songs... Right in the beginning of the book of Genesis, all the way through to the book of Revelation. When we get into heaven, we're all going to get together. Guess what the first thing we're going to do? No, we're going to eat a meal. And then we're going to sing. That was a trick question. That was a trick question. But we're going to sing. We're going to get to it, right? Just like here, we eat a meal of the Word and then we sing. It's the way God has designed it. It's the way that it will always be. It's the way that it is supposed to be now. 
It's important to sing. And the Bible instructs us to sing praises together. Do you guys know that? The Bible literally gives you a commandment as a church, gives us a commandment to sing corporately together. In Ephesians 5, 18 through 20, Paul goes like this. He goes, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What do you think that sounds like? Like for the rest of the day, if you're going to have a conversation, make it be a song. Is that a weird fast? <laughs> hey, Dale, I like that sweater. <laughs> I don't think he's saying do that, but he's, he's saying address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians, Paul tells them in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your heart. We're supposed to sing together. We sing together not because it feels good or we like doing it. We, we should do that, but it's a gift from God that He gave to us. So what He wants us to do. When we sing, we're doing what God wants us to do. And then we work, let it be as this, that worshiping or singing together, together builds our faith. He literally says it builds your confidence and gives you assurance when we have a common confession together. And so when we sing, here at Remembrance Community Church, this is my passion for singing. I want to sing songs that have some depth. I, and we do. I love singing songs that have theological depth about God. I love the old hymns where we just really dig into these truths about God. I'm not a big fan of some of the current songs where it's like, you know, Bebop, oh, come Jesus. I don't want to do that. I want to sing some songs that have some meaning to them, that have some meat on them, and we do here. We sing great songs here. Because we, we, it's intentional. Our worship team does a great job of selecting great songs that have great meat on them. When we get together and we confess, common confession together in song, something powerful happens. We're not just coming together to sing songs together. There's something, we're entering into something that's going on, I believe, in spiritual realms. And we're declaring things about God to each other. We're reminding each other. You're going through a hard time? Listen to this song. This song will encourage you. Right? That's the way it's supposed to be. Come on up, worship team. Come back up and we'll get started. Ready for that. Come on up, worship team. So when we sing deep truth together, we're building our confidence. We're confessing with assurance. And that stirs us up and it pours courage into each other, which is what the author's talking about. So we come together to stir each other, to love each other, and to prepare to love the world outside of here together. And we want to draw near to God. And we're not saying it's going to be easy and the life's going to be easy. We're saying life's going to be hard until Jesus comes back. And all the more reason to unite together and to do these things. And to listen to God's word so you can have wisdom and know what God wants you to do. And then be together doing that so you can encourage each other to actually do it. And we get to sing. And when we sing, something happens. God moves amongst us. 
I don't know if you've ever experienced that where you just had a time where you were singing together and like, like you just feel like the Holy Spirit is present and moving and filling you up and you just leave more encouraged than when you came. It's the way it's supposed to be. What we do is intentional. What we do is biblical. We gather here to do these things because that's what we're taught to do. And when we do them, they're spiritually healthy. So the last thing is this, is that we worship, worshiping together is a joy and a privilege. You get to come into His presence because of what Jesus did. It's a joy and a privilege. One worship pastor and author, Mike Cosper, he, 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 comment, he made a commentary about this passage of Hebrews. And here's what he said. He said, Worship is an opportunity afforded through the mercy of Jesus, who met all of the requirements of the law and leaves us liberated from the burden of getting it right in order to stand in the presence of God. I'm going to read that again. Worship is an opportunity afforded. It's a privilege through the mercy of Jesus who met all the requirements of the law and leaves us free, liberated from the burden of getting it right, fixing ourselves in order to stand in the presence of God. So I ask you guys to stand. We're going to sing together. And I want you to stand. Let's stand to our feet and sing together. Let's come together. Not as individuals. Let's come as a community ready to sing together. And I want you to invite you like this. Just come as you are. Wherever you're at this morning, whatever you're going through, come as you are. You No need to fix yourself.